Before our children are dismissed, we're going to read our story from Exodus. We continue in our series that Joe has been doing that has us look at the book of Exodus and wonder what there is to learn today from it. Um, Last Sunday, we read the passage where the people were dramatically rescued in the most summer blockbuster way through the Red Sea. Um, We uh, skipped the passage where they uh, rejoice And they sing songs of praise, and they say, life is forever changed. And then a few later verses later is where we find them, and they don't feel the same way anymore. (laughs) They're they're very mad. Um, They're very sad and mad and scared. And so we read from Exodus 16. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, The Israelites said to them, If only we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, meaning they had meat to eat, and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. And on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because God has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses says, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, it's against the Lord. And then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord, for God has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke, the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat. In the morning you shall have your fill of bread. And then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there was a surface on the wilderness, was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What's that? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We invite our children to be dismissed for them to continue their time of worship. And as they go, they are showing up by standing and walking and going to children's worship. May we stand and show up, just at least on the inside, to maybe hear if God were to say something this morning. So let's listen. Um, I'm going to say something that uh, years ago would make no sense. But how many of you all take pictures on your phone? 
Right. Um, it, I mean, it's really a camera for most of what I use it for, um, among many things. And how many of you um, have a phone that has, it's too full of storage? Um, there's not room to take any pictures. Um, I imagine a lot of the people who raised their hand, it might be that you have young children um, because you want to pause them in what they're doing. Or maybe you have beloved pets or a great garden or a great hobby or you travel a lot. Um, but you know that moment when you're, you're standing and you're about to take a picture because you think this is going to be a great picture. We have got to capture this and then the sign comes up like storage full and you quickly try to go like delete some pictures to see if you can have space and if you don't know that experience then that's so wonderful um but um but uh google photos had an ad last year that um played on this 21st century first world problem of the storage full moment and they showed all these scenes right when it was like this was the picture to take and then the the thing comes up and you kind of feel your gut hurt because it's just oh you just you you feel for them because there's something that you want to capture and there's something that you want to remember and when there's no room for new memory it's sort of painful and we know that life passes and days end and moments evaporate, but we actually work really tirelessly to get around that so that we can capture things so that they can last for an eternity or until our hard drive dies and we weep at the IT counter to find that we lost it all. We rely upon memory. Memory is really important for us. From an early age, we're taught to remember our name and the faces of our parents and your address and your phone number and maybe the states and the state capitals and spelling words. And then when we're older, we grieve when a loved one doesn't remember us anymore. You know, when they don't remember that story that we always tell at the dinner table, um, when our memory fails us, because memory does hold us together. It's how we know our life together. And these stories we've been reading in Exodus, they are actually stories about remembering. In Exodus 2, we read that God remembers the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God enters to save the people because God is remembering. And then in Exodus 12, when God rescues the people, um, God says, you have to remember this. God initiates the Passover as if to say, you've got to do this every year because you are going to forget and you need to remember this. And when God gives the, covet, uh, the commandments excuse me, in Exodus 20, um, it's all about the act of remembering. Remember the Sabbath. Remember you were people in a land of Egypt and you were strangers. Remember this. Now these stories, they come to us um, in printed form. We have them right here or maybe you have it on your phone. Um, and we read them, but we have to remember that these are the stories that came to us from the tradition of storytelling. Um, these are the stories that God's people decided this was worth remembering. And so when we read from this, we are remembering things that people said, we, we have to remember this. We cannot forget this. This is important. And they had to serve some purpose, therefore, for the community to ingrain maybe some sense of collective, communal, deep core memory. But actually, if we learn anything from this story, it's that memory is sort of tricky. Uh, memory is elusive and memory is fickle. And memory is evasive. And actually making new memories is hard sometimes if it doesn't match what we remember in the past. So we read last week, you know, God rescues the people. And it's just this huge moment that's just of epic proportions. Um, but then there's some foreshadowing. I mean, it's just a few verses later it says, and this wasn't in our passage, it was right before it said, they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So by the time we begin, we're just eight verses after the moment where it was the best 
thing of their entire life. And this whole congregation is ready to file a massive complaint with Moses and Aaron. And they're great, very suspicious, suspicious excuse me, of God and God's intentions. Because, you know, the memory of God doing something for us yesterday doesn't actually necessarily make us trust God today. Um, it doesn't necessarily work that way. You know, you hopefully had dinner last night, but you're going to be hungry tonight when dinner comes around. Um, our bellies, our hunger, it triggers for us forgetfulness. Hunger sends this signal to let us know we are in need. We are in need, and we don't actually know who is going to help us. And for the Israelites, the memory of life in Egypt is just too much within them. They may have witnessed these great acts of God, but the reality remains that just because they're freed from physical bondage does not dissolve the inner bondage that's within them. Because when you live in systems of scarcity, it changes your habits, it changes your perceptions and your worldviews, And it may not be that they forgot what God did. But their new reality as God's people hasn't had enough time to sink down in them for them to really know it and replace the former identity of they were Pharaoh's people. They were the ones who were making everything for everyone. And trauma takes hostage of our core memories and it changes what we know. Trauma influences our practices and our instincts and our relationships and our communal identity. And the Israelites knew too many years of that, of forced labor and objectification and exploitation, to suddenly just trust a God who wouldn't behave that way. Just because they're miles away from Pharaoh doesn't mean that actually their bodies forgot everything. So out there in the wilderness, miles from Pharaoh, um, they get hungry And somewhere deep within them, Pharaoh resumes the throne. And they're Pharaoh's people again. In a book that was released in 2015 called The Body Keeps Score, psychiatrist Dr. Bessel van der Kolk suggests that human memory is a sensory experience. It's not just something that's up here. It's sort of all within us. And his research has found that trauma really lodges itself within our bodies. We actually, it changes who we are. It rewires our brain. It, it, it changes our identity. It's not just something that happens in the past. It's actually something that stays with you all the time. And research shows that trauma makes you struggle to read situations accurately. That we can go through life and actually we're less able to either detect a real danger or we misperceive danger when actually there's no danger. And at a foundational level, we're just sort of not connected with ourselves, which, of course, then struggles, we struggle to connect with one another. So when new moments occur, the warning sign pops up like storage full. <laughs> you cannot take any more pictures. You already have plenty. There's no room unless you go back and you deal with what you have right now. And the Israelites are a traumatized people. They may have been freed, but they are still a traumatized people. Now, I think it's interesting that the scripture in this passage, um, it doesn't offer an evaluation of whether or not they were right to be mad. There's no aside like, yeah, there really was no food and they really were going to die of hunger unless they cried out. Um, It could have been that maybe there was food, but they just thought, this isn't enough. We don't actually know, but looking at it, we can know that um, they're marked. They, 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 They can't, they don't trust tomorrow. They don't trust it. 
And yet God hears the cries and God provides them a way forward. They've got quails in the evening. They've got bread in the morning. There's enough for each person. It actually says in a few verses that it says that, you know, everyone gathers different amounts, but then they all measure it and it's all exactly what they needed. You know, everybody has what they need. But actually there's, um, there's no rejoicing. The people don't necessarily breathe a sigh of relief. Instead, actually, they're just really nervous. Um, if you kept reading, you would see that they actually uh, get more than they need and they leave it out overnight just in case God reneges on this whole offer of there being bread tomorrow. And then um, they, they get twice the amount they need on the sixth day so that on the seventh day they can rest. But actually, guess what they do on the seventh day? <laughs> they go looking for more. Um, they go out and they, in the field and, and there isn't any more. And they, just, they, they are suspicious of rest. We're suspicious of rest, right? They, they want more, but maybe it's not greed. Maybe it's because the only thing they know is scarcity, and that's the only thing they trust. And so they want barns to store tomorrow's enough, just in case God isn't really God, you know? Uh, they want an insurance plan to pay into so they can cover their bases. They can rest assured. They've got sustainability. We value sustainability, right? Just in case something happens, they've got it there. And they can't see that there is enough in their hands and that there could be enough for tomorrow. Just like the laborers in the parable that Jesus tells that Nina read, they can't see the gift that's offered to them. They're only thinking about what they've earned and what they're gathering and what they're securing for themselves. And the thing is that from where we stand, when we read it, they seem really foolish. Did they not realize that God rescued them, and that, of course, God did not bring them to the wilderness to kill them, you know, that that, that's not true. And yet, maybe they just needed more time to tell the story of God rescuing them so they could actually remember it. But, you know, God doesn't always just give us all the time we need to remember. This is not just a story about them. This is a story about us. We're forgetful people. We are. We forget And we may now have a lot of confidence that we have technology. You know, technology is going to remember for us. I've got reminders set on my phone for things. I've got to-do lists for tomorrow. Um, I've got time hop on my social media to provide me some memory of something that happened in the past. But we're forgetful people. Because most of the time what we forget the most is actually the really big truths that we need to remember. You know, that we're loved that we're not alone. That's the stuff that we struggle with. We have habits of scarcity and patterns of fear, and and we get stuck. We get stuck. But hear the good news, even for us forgetful people. God knows. God knows that it is not just one act and one event that liberates God's people. Liberation is not an event. It just happens and then, oh, it's done. God, uh, God knows that liberation is a process. And God is committed to repeated acts of liberation for God's people. God is persistent and relentless over a lifetime. God persists to remind us that God doesn't ignore. God actually engages. God doesn't shame. God actually restores a sense of worth. And God doesn't just idly watch us circle empty, empty water holes. That God actually comes to us and sends signs to point, even towards the wilderness, to show that actually there is going to be food and water enough for us. God is committed 
to building memory in forgetful people. God is constantly saying, draw near. Come and get to know me again. Remember who I am. And remember, actually, that in so doing, that really matters. That actually, that changes everything for your day, for right now. So we walk this journey from bondage to wholeness. And when we're impatient, what is it that we're forgetting? When we struggle to trust and we get stuck, what do we need to remember today? And when the trauma is just too much, what does the community, the congregation, need to remember for us and tell us and remind us? Because sometimes we can't remember, and we, that's what this place is for. Now, it says in the passage that God tests the people, but God knew <laughs> would be my guess, that the people were going to forget. God doesn't scoff at the people's forgetfulness and say, well, if you don't know me by now, then that's it. God sends the forgetful wounded people what they need, bread and quail and water. And we see this story of God's provision repeated in the Gospels. God feeds, or Jesus, excuse me, feeds the 5,000. And Jesus becomes the bread that people need. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. You see, in Jesus, the bread of life, we receive God's love embodied in human form, in human relationship, in the meeting of human hunger, in the restoring of the divine potential of the human being. And in a way that we can never comprehend, God actually transforms our lives into the bread and quail that feeds our community's hunger and heals our wounds and remembers our way forward. We, the church, we will not always get this right. It is why we regularly will practice our faith. We will practice remembering. That's why we pray. A lot of prayer is remembering what you already you said you believed, and you have to remember it. Um, you read the scripture because you haven't figured it out yet. You read it to remember. That's why you have friendships who remind you what you forgot. It remind, it's why we work for healthy marriages and families. It's why you go to a Bible study class, and you come on Wednesday night, and you find ways to remember because that's how we move forward. We have to remember who we are and whose we are. We'll never reach a place where you stop remembering. This is a lifelong thing because it will take our whole life to remember God's way. God's way is completely different than Pharaoh's way. As God's people, bread is no longer earned. We will not just break our backs for Pharaoh, earning more hours for the landowner's wages. Bread is no longer earned. Bread is given to you, and there is a difference in that. Our labor is no longer motivated by achievement. Our labor is motivated by gift. We still labor, but it's for a gift. And the gift of bread comes from our God who's invested and engaged and active in leading us forward. Dr. Vanderkolk's research of trauma leads him to a hopeful theory for people of trauma. Trauma can be healed. When a community embraces an individual, truly hears him or sees her, and allows the wounded to know they are safely held in another's mind and heart. This is new research, but this isn't a new truth. It came a long time ago. 
When God spoke these words to Isaac and to Jacob and Moses and you and me, the words that save us daily, I will be with you. I, the God who will fight for you, I will be, I will be present in your midst and I will be with you when you have forgotten who you are and whose you are. So together at the, as the church, we will remember our way to wonder of this good news And we will remember our way to gratitude for the way this good news remembers us. We end our services with singing. We will in a moment stand and we will sing a hymn, and that's an act of remembering. Sometimes if you read those words in hymns, those are bold words. And as you sing them, you are remembering who you are. And it's our tradition that we use that time for you all to stand and to remember for yourself what that means today. And if that means that you want to make public a profession of faith, that you come forward and share it with us. Or if you want to join officially this community, that you come forward and share that with us. But regardless, may you sing and may you remember this wonderful God that we follow, who remembers you even as we forget. And may we be the church that remembers for one another. Amen.